Welcome to the J.F. Harris Ministries podcast. Join us today as we explore God's Word. We hope this message encourages, inspires, and uplifts you. For more information about this podcast and other valuable resources, please visit us at redeemedassembly.com. Now let's join Dr. James F. Harris. You're, you're talking about the crucified life. The crucified life. Amen. Let's look at the book of Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14. Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through and including 13. We, we are pressing forward in him and we want to be, we want to be close to him. We want to be not only close, but we want to be one with him. In order to do that, we have to crucify our lives. Amen. You have to get on the cross that you're carrying. And Jesus was hung on the cross that he was carrying. And we too will be hung on the cross that we are carrying. But it is important that we be at a place where we are willing to uh, be put on that cross. He will not put us on there if we are not willing to be on that cross. You know, right? Amen. So it's not... Uh, it's not a thing of just uh, making it a little bit easier. Amen. It's going to hurt. Can you do me a favor? Tell your neighbor, it's going to hurt. <laughs> it's going to hurt. But amen. It yields the peaceable fruit of righteousness. And we talked about the love of God on last time we had Bible study. And only the love for Christ will have you, will, will cause you to suffer the things that will come upon you as you begin to crucify your flesh before Jesus Christ. This should be the goal and the passion of every born again child of God is that we can be close to him. Uh, nobody can put this in you. It must be one of those things that you have a passion for. All right, somebody tell me, what is passion? Have we experienced passion? What is passion? Is it an overwhelming desire? All right. Amen. It's an overwhelming desire. It's not just a like. It is an overwhelming desire for the Lord. And this is some of what Satan wanted to take away from us. He wants us just to be saved, but just hang on the edge. But God wants us to have that overwhelming desire. Uh, for him, all right? It was a life that was absolutely and irreconcilably this life that we got to give to Jesus Christ that he can dwell in us. The, the believer, as believers in Christ Jesus, one of the things we have to do is destroy our egos. Amen. There is no place in Christ for your ego. Christ did not die on the cross just to save people from hell. Now, rather, he died on the cross so that all could become one in Christ Jesus. So we don't want to just get saved and just stay on the edge. We are called for greater works than Jesus performed. Until we can see that, until we can sense that, we will sell for ordinary life. The Bible says in Matthew 6.33, they that what? Hunger and thirst 
after righteousness. They shall be what? Feel. But the condition is that hunger and that thirsting, that passion that we must feel for him in order for us to be to that place where Christ can be glorified in our life. The author of this uh, book says, anything that come between him and that unity with Christ had to be dealt with and done away with regardless of the cost. Now, one of the things we want to do is come to the point that we know what is in our lives, and each one of us know there's something in our lives that need to go. Or have y'all gotten rid of everything? Amen. Anybody can tell me some of the stuff in your life that need to go? That's embarrassing, isn't it? Say it again. Idols, idols, yeah, uh-huh, yeah, that one, yeah. What else, who else? Pride. Pride. Your thinking, yes. Impatience. Impatience. Attitude. TV. Control. Procrastination. Addictions. And these are some of the things that we have to let go. Christ is not going to come and wrestle you and take those things away from you. He will impress upon your heart, but you have to be to that place that you're willing to let those things go. The writer said he became disturbed when he looked at the church and see some of the worldly things that was slipping by in uh, his relationship and what he was able to see in the church. And we, too, ought to have that same uh, indignation for these things that are rising. And uh, today we are living in a society where people are seeking comfort. Everything is comfort. It's the church. It's the car. It's the bed. It's the what else? It's the relationship. Everybody is seeking to be comfortable. But God did not call you to comfort. He called you to holiness. And that holiness is going to be one of those things that is going to cost you. I, I was reading in the message translation. Somebody uh, see if you can find it for me. It says something about being soaked in holiness. All right. Look what it says. Exodus 30, 29. What it say? Oh, Lord Amherst. Read that again. Concentrate in. Lord, soak me. I don't just want to be in holiness. I don't want you just to be sprinkled. Lord, soak me. I saw, I, 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 that came, I saw that scripture today. I said, wow, soak in holiness. So soaked that people that come into your environment don't change you. You change them. That's the way it's supposed to be, right? So much light that you can't be in darkness around me. 
you avoid me because you don't want to be in my presence because being in my presence shows so much light on what you're doing. Yes. Soak me. Get in the church says, soak me. Soak me. Amen. We want to be soaked, soaked in holiness. Amen. Bathed in it, soaked in it, that Christ can have the preeminence in our lives. And he do deserve, amen, us being soaked in holiness. Our first step towards this crucified life is found in the book of Romans, chapter 6, verse number 6. And before I get there, let me, let me say here, the only hope that we have of pleasing God and being in holiness, let's look at this one first, Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. Colossians chapter 1, verse 27. All right. What do you say? First of all, Christ has to be where? In you. And Christ in you then causes you to be to that place that it can be presented to him. Because you got to remember, it's your, your effort is not going to do it. It has to be an effort in you where you yield yourself to Christ and then Christ work in you the holiness that please him. The book of Philippians chapter number 2 verse 13 says, for it is Christ that worketh in you both to will and to do of his good purpose. So as we yield to him and Christ is in us, then he works the sanctification in us that gives him the greater glory. And we flow in that spirit. All right, now let's look at um, Romans 6, 6. All right, what it says. Knowing this. All right. We used to sing this song uh, some years ago. Uh, Lord, I'm trying to make 100 because 99 and a half won't do. And we used to sing that song that we got happy. Amen. And we was able to look and we could see where we was coming short. But we wanted to make that 100 because 99 and a half just wasn't going to do. Now, the word of God will come, and I wonder how much a place does the word of God have in your heart. The author seemed to think that most people today, they are concentrating on the 30-fold. Uh, let's look in the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verse 18. It's starting at verse 18, all right? Matthew 13, verse 18, all right? Hear ye therefore the parable of the sower. Understand it not. He that receiveth the seed also, the only places, the same as he that heareth the word. Also, 
All right. Now, you notice here in the parable, the seed, the seed, there's nothing wrong with the seed. Two people can sit in the same congregation, hear the same word or the same teaching or the same sermon, and one can leave and produce fruit where another person that heard the same sermon cannot produce anything. It has to do with the conditioning of your heart. Now, if you can completely yield your heart to God, you can bring forth a hundredfold. Uh, it's a shame to say, but some of us are only one-third committed. Some of us are three-third committed, and some of us are a hundred. The fruit that comes forth is based upon the commitment that you have made to Jesus Christ. Wherein God is not going to invade your heart in any areas that you don't invite him in. If you don't invite him in that area, then that area will be dormant and not produce the fruit that it should. But as you yield your heart to God, then he will come in you and produce 30, 60, and 100 fold. Now there are those that the writer talks about us sometimes equating salvation with physical appearance. And I found out some people that uh, might not appear to be as holy as you think they are, they might not dot all the I's and cross all the T's, but in essence, sometimes they are more dedicated to God than some of the so-called righteous ones that do everything right and criticize everybody. I know y'all haven't seen any of those kind of people, have you? Amen. And in and, and, and other words, uh, you got to get like me if you want to be holy. But, it, but that's not the way it was. Back in the days when I first came in, and I, I'm sure I see some people in here that I know, you're not quite back as far as I was, but you got the tail end of it. You're at that place where everybody in the church had to be just alike. Your skirts had to be a certain length, and they would almost, with their eyes, they had a measuring stick in their eyes, and they could almost tell you when that skirt was a little too, uh, a little too short. And we used to have those lovely mothers, beautiful mothers, that were staying at the door with wrapping claws in their hands. Yeah, y'all don't know about that, do you? Wrapping claws in their hands, and as they would come in the door, if your arms were showing, you was going to get wrapped. You was going to get wrapped. And uh, they worked on people looking like everybody. And sometimes we found out that people that look a certain way, hearts are way away from God. And this was the misconception that the scribes and the Pharisees had in the case of Jesus Christ. They looked the part. They paid tithes on mints and this is the smallest amount they paid tithes. But they were the very one that rejected Jesus Christ and crucified him because they were more concerned with looking religious than they were actually in being saved. But we not only want to look the part, we want to be the part. And this is going to happen as we yield ourselves to God and say, Lord, I want to be a hundredfold producing Christian in Christ Jesus. Thirty will not do. I need a hundredfold. So the question is, how do we obtain this hundredfold 
Christian on this particular stage. And that's going to happen through our crucified life. All right. And the author said he need to establish what he meant when he said the hundredfold life. Because he made references that found at a time this had been uh, dealt with in different measures. Some people had uh, used such phrases as the deeper life, the higher life, the holy sanctified life, the spirit-filled life. But he found out that although these terms were used and they looked like good terms, all of them amount to the same thing. It was things that was done to make the person look good and not that their spirit had changed. Have you seen some people like that, that they, they, you, they look just as holy as they could be? And let, don't cross them. Don't cross them. Whatever you do, don't cross them. They will cuss you out. But they look holy. Now, some people don't actually use profanity. But God, if eyes could cut, you would leave them bleeding. And that is because their spirits are not subject to Jesus Christ. They are not yielded to him. And when that happens, they are more concerned with how they look on the outside than what's actually taking place on the inside of their hearts. So a life that is wholly given to the Lord in absolute humility and obedience is a sacrifice that is pleasing to the Lord. Let's note the book of Galatians chapter 2 verses 20 and 21. All right. So then we find out too many contemporary Christians is borrowing philosophies from all other different religions. They sound real good. All right. So now this, this guy that didn't do everything right, but this other guy, because he had done a few religious things, he thought that he was better than someone else. When actually, uh, because of he became so prideful in what he was doing. Jesus said uh, the person that was the publican in the center went home more justified than that person that had all that pride in what they were doing. So now Jesus is calling us for a sanctified life, but there has to be that hunger and that thirsting on the inside of us for a relationship with Jesus Christ. I don't just want to be uh, look holy because, um, uh, amen, just look holy because it's a popular thing, popular thing to do. I want to be holy because there's a craving on the inside of me to be like Jesus. The more I, I think it was David said, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. So, so far what we have gotten is only a taste. 
But now when we begin to hunger and thirst after him, because God is not going to force feed you hunger and thirst. But when you begin to hunger and thirst after God, that's the time he come in. Let me tell you what, when you have a real relationship with Jesus Christ, it's worth all the sacrifice that you could ever make. When you get down on your knees and you find him coming and meeting you in prayer and just communing with you, things don't get any better, but I know him better after I leave prayer than I did before I went into prayer. And if the truth be told, most of us know God only because he has placed us in situations that made us reach out to him. Otherwise, we would not have reached out to him. But we reached out to him because of the circumstances that were placed in our lives. And we reached out to him and he blessed him. So then the crucified life is uh, that life that is absolutely committed to following after Jesus. To be more like him, to think like him, to act like him, and to love like him. The whole essence of our spiritual perfection has everything to do with Jesus Christ. That's why we want to be like him, because we want to do what Jesus did. Matter of fact, you're supposed to be doing what Jesus did anyhow, right? He said, the work I do, you shall what? Greater works than these shall you do. Is anybody here hunger for the greater works? Is anybody here want to see the glory of God? Do you really want to see it? Are you satisfied with the normal stuff? I, I want to see something in God. I want to be what God says I, that I am. Now the devil want to pull you down and make you think you got to put up with stuff. But we want to get to that place that, see one of the things that prayer do, prayer leads you to an obedience wherein you start doing what God tell you to do. Just like, uh, just like some of the guys in the script when God told them to do stuff. It didn't make no sense. Didn't make no sense. Here it is. Uh, God told Joshua that uh, uh, the walls of Jericho was so thick, I think someone said two chariots could ride on that wall, side by side on that wall. That's how thick that wall was. And God spoke to Joshua and said, Joshua, I'll tell you what I, what I want you to do. I want you to march around that wall one time every day, quiet. Don't say nothing. Just walk around the wall. Basically what it say, look like a fool. Now some of you was walking around there and say, go around there, paint signs on the wall, do crosses, everything. He said, I just walk around the wall. Then six times run you. I wonder how many of us could have done it six times. Maybe I'd look foolish one time, but six times. They walked around that wall six times. Not a brick move. And some people want to say that what happened there was that when they marched around the wall, the, the, the ground kind of settled, which made the wall come to pieces. You know they ain't nothing but a lie. <laughs> nothing but a lie. They looked at the wall, they just as strong as they ever was. But God said on the seventh day, I want you to go around there. How many times? I want you all to go around there seven times, and then the only thing I want you to do on that time is shout. And God told them ahead that when you go around that wall seven times, and shout, what's going to happen? The wall going to come down. Now, could you believe that? Could you believe, for instance, take this building right here. I mean, these walls ain't that thick. 
the Lord tell you to walk around this wall and this building going to fall. First of all, you'd argue with your intelligence. And you wouldn't say this to God, but you were saying yourself, you just don't make no sense. <laughs> so this, see, one of the things that prayer do, prayer open you up to obedience. Now, God got, I, I sense here this year that God has some great things in store for Redeemed Assembly. I, I really believe that. I really believe it. But it's not going to come through power, not by power, not by might, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. And don't be surprised when God tells us to do something that ain't, it's not going to make sense. Because if it makes sense, you're doing it. But when it don't make sense, God's doing it. He said, walk around there, and then all I want you to do is shout. And when you shout, the walls are going to fall down. It had never been done like this before. I wonder, are you willing to do something that nobody else has ever done? Are you willing? Yes. All right. Now, each one of us got some walls around us. As we dedicate ourselves to Jesus Christ, God's going to give you instruction. But if you're not a praying person, you cannot obey the voice of God because it ain't going to make no sense. Amen? Amen? Amen. How many of y'all in here got some walls that need to come down? This don't be for you right quick. Let me see. You got some walls that need to come down. I just want to see you. I'm not talking about this little small stuff. This is a big wall. Bishop, you told me broke around there six times, seven times. I done been around that wall 50, 11 times. And that wall is still standing. How many of y'all believe that the wall is going to fall? Say with me, the wall, the wall is going to fall this time. time. Y'all can sit down. Amen. As you, as you move into God and become soaked in holiness, see, soaked in holiness means I decrease but God increase in my life. The miracle come. Let me tell you what, God don't just do miracles just to be doing them. He wants to show himself mighty. He's going to and fro in the earth. He's going to and fro in redeemed assembly. I'm looking for somebody that don't have the means, that don't have nobody to help them, but I'm going to show myself mighty. Amen. I'm about to do something that's going to blow everybody else's mind. I was listening to the testimony last week or uh, last Wednesday, amen, what um, uh, Sister Diane uh, was saying. She got up and she had this thing up before the Lord. I remember seeing it on one of the envelopes that was printed out that was given to me for prayer. And she said, the lawyer said it was difficult. The judge said it was difficult. But when it was all over, God had granted the petition. It's not by might, it's not by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. Are y'all ready for some miracles? Or do y'all just want to be regular Christians, setting up in this church comfortable? I'm ready to leave. Anybody ready to leave your comfort zone? I want to, anybody want to see something? Anybody want to see the glory of God? Anybody want to see God moving in a mighty way? 
God has given you a situation in your life that's not ordinary because he's going to do something extraordinary to bring you out of it. When you can believe that, you stop being mad with God. And you say, Lord, give me a revelation on what you're trying to do. And so when things happen in your life, they don't happen to bring you down. They happen so you can see the glory of God. But if you are commonly minded, you'll see God working against you. But when you are spiritually minded, you can say, all things work together for good to them that love God. And the call are calling to his purpose. But you got to move out of your flesh. You got to live a crucified life. You've got to crucify your thoughts and your opinion. And you've got to tell God, yes. It don't make sense, but yes. I'm going to walk down to the Red Sea. I ain't got no boats, no canoes, nothing. But I got a stick in my hand. God said, walk, I'm going to walk. When you want to see a miracle from God, that's why you've got to crucify your flesh. But let me tell you what, when you do what God tells you to do, God will make a way out of no way. He knows what to do. I know what a sacrifice is. You can't always see what God's going to do for you, but you got to be willing to do what don't make no sense, but God will make a way for you. And as you sanctify yourself and believe God can do it, if you believe God can do it, I need somebody in that's going through something real hard. I don't need you to jump to your feet and say, God can and God will do it. Amen, amen, amen. I want you to get to the place where you start expecting a miracle from the Lord Jesus Christ, expecting God to break through for you. That's why when God called for me to live a sacrificial life, I don't mind doing it because God will not disappoint you. What he has promised, he will always do. Amen. G- give me that book of Numbers. Is that Numbers 20, 2319? Let's, let's see what the word says. Uh-huh. God is not a man. I want you to just hit the person on your left and your right and say, God is not a man. 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 Mm-hmm. I want you to do it one more time. God is not a man. All right, now, what does it say? Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Amen. Tell somebody God's going to make it good. God's going to make it good. So what we want to do, so, so what, what, what we want to do, because what happens when you get to the place you're in the flesh, flesh goes by what it can see. But if I crucify my flesh, then I can see what's not even there. Hebrews chapter 11 said, they endured as seeing him who was invisible. Is that the word? But if you're in the flesh, the only thing you can see is that which is tangible. But when you get in the spirit, you can see what don't exist. Amen. 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 Somebody that wants something. I I just want a couple of people over here that really want something. I mean, you want it bad. I want you to jump to your feet and I want you to get a hold to it and I want you to visualize it. And somebody hear me getting it together here. 
I need a couple more here too. I want you to get a vision in your mind and I want you to just get through your feet and say, I can see it. I just need a couple of people. One of them. I can see it. I can see it. I can see it. Now you got to visualize it. 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 I know what is, but I can see what God said it's going to be. Can you really see it? I want you to get a vision of it. I can see it. Because see, that's what faith is. Faith is seeing what don't exist. But I can see it. Hallelujah. And then what happened is, when you start seeing it, after a while your physical senses will start sensing what's not there. A new car. All of a sudden from nowhere. This, how many of y'all know what a new car smells like? Ain't nothing like the smell of a new car. Amen. So you start, oh, what in the world did that come from? What God will do is start exercising your five physical senses before it arrives. Y'all don't believe that, do you? You'll have smells. You'll hear sounds. And God is speaking to the physical sense so that we can understand what's happening and then God will bring that thing to pass. Most of the time when God's going to give a vision, he says, see, I have delivered them into your hand. Can you see them delivered into your hand? See, I have delivered the Philistines into your hand. See. Somebody got to give me a scripture with something like that in it. See, I have delivered them into your hand. This See if y'all can find anything like that. I, I read it. I saw it somewhere. I can't tell you what translation. But see, what happened was God told him first, and then he got a vision of what God's going to do. How many of y'all ain't got a promise from God, but you, you talk yourself out of the blessing? See, when God make you a promise, you got to see yourself in the midst of that promise. And it doesn't matter how impossible it may seem, God will make a way out of no way. Anybody ready for a miracle? Anybody ready? Are you ready for a miracle? This is time for a miracle. God is about to do something. Lord, but, but this, is what, this is one thing you got to know when you live in that sanctified life. Lord, if you don't give it to me, I don't want it. Now, sometimes we'll say, I'll take it by hook or crook. I'll take it by hook or crook. <laughs> but when you live in that sanctified life, you will say, Lord, if you don't give it to me, I don't want it. I dare anybody to get up here and say that. I dare you to say it. Because see, we want to please God. I'm not going to receive the hook or crook. No, if you don't give it to me, I'll do without it. That's almost like the Hebrew boy saying, say, King, we're not careful how we answer you. Our God is able to live, deliver us. But if he don't deliver us, 
we'll burn. We'll burn before we give up. We'll burn before we take your deliverance. We would rather burn. And this is what I'm calling when you begin to crucify your flesh. You will say, I would rather die than to get something that God didn't want me to have. Joshua 6.2. All right, what do you say? Mm. Say what now? See, I know it was in there. <laughs> what did it say? And the Lord said unto, uh huh, uh huh. I need somebody over here to say, see. See, What can you see? Woo, God, I thank you. Sometimes you're praying and asking God, get him off your knees, nothing has changed, but I see something. God has shown me in the spirit what he's about to do. I can see, I can see him moving. I can see him making a way out of no way. I can see. What he saying? See, I give it unto thy Wall still standing. <laughs> Wall still standing. King still in there on his throne. But see, I have given it unto you. See, I have delivered. What can you see? What can you see? What he was doing, he was not looking through the eyes of flesh. He was looking through the spirit. For the Bible says without faith it is impossible to please God. Faith is seeing the invisible, hearing the inaudible, and doing the impossible. <laughs>